love for you to take your Bibles and open them up as I am uh, to this story because the word that I want to share with you today uh, begins in this story as I share with you how the Lord used it this week in my life to give me a fresh word that has uh, been a blessing to me, and I want to share that with you. And I also want to share with you how he led me to another verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. You might want to flag that and, um, and begin to explain to me how to take what the word he gave given to me here in the story of Mary and Martha and begin to build it into my own life. And so let's look at this together. You know, life uh, has thrown us a curveball um, with the coronavirus. And what makes this challenge so exceptional is not only that it has disrupted our daily life, but also it lingers. And we don't know how much longer it's going to linger. So we have all of these questions, but we have very few answers. And so as a result of that, even those of us who are followers of Christ in the process can get frustrated because we're trying to think of this and we're trying to think of that and how we're going to handle this and how we're going to handle that. And as a result of that, we can become frustrated. We can get distracted even in terms of our faith and our walk with the Lord. Well, having said that, let's look at this story. Beginning in verse 38, Scripture says, now, there, now as they, meaning Jesus and the disciples, were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his every word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I confess I've always favored Mary in this story, probably because Jesus told Martha that Mary had chosen uh, the better thing at that particular moment in their life. But through the coronavirus uh, season that we've been going through, the Lord has shown me that even though I favor Mary and maybe would like to say I am a Mary, the truth of the matter is, by nature, I am a Martha. I have this on my mind. I have that on my mind. I'm thinking about how we're going to handle this, and I'm concerned about this over here, and I'm wondering about this individual over here. And so uh, my mind is going in multitude of directions and, and continually being distracted because of that and, be honest with you, frustrated as well uh, as a pastor during this time. My family can testify. The staff will testify as well. Uh, that I have been struggling uh, during this coronavirus uh, season that we're in, particularly when it comes to our shelter-in-place mandate that is given to us. You see, as a pastor, I want to be with people, and I want to minister to people, and I want to pray with, and I want to pray over, and I want to be there to love on them, and I want to be there to give them counsel as they go through different things in their own life. And with this mandate, with this shelter 
put-in-place mandate, I feel like I'm handcuffed. And one of the passions of my life as a pastor, I cannot fulfill. Now, yes, I understand that no matter what the situation is, no matter how evil it is, how entrenched it is, no, longer how, no matter how long it may linger, I can call upon the Lord my God, and I know nothing is impossible for him. And I keep that before him in prayer. And, and I know and, and I am following to embrace the promises of God and lean on them during this time. But when I feel like I'm handcuffed and there's a passion in my life that I cannot fulfill that is part of the calling upon my life, it's very easy for me as a Martha whose mind is going here and there and thinking about this and thinking about that for me to get frustrated during this time. Now, I also wonder if not all of us to some degree are not Martha's. And so as we are going through this time, we, we're also thinking about this and that and need to do this and how we're going to handle that. But what the Lord, the word the Lord gave me during this time, and particularly this past week, was simply this. Yes, by nature you are Martha, but what you need in your life is some merry time. And by merry time, I'm talking about something more than just our daily devotional, which is obviously very, very important. But merry time means an extended, uh, intentional, extended time just in the presence of the Lord and with the Lord. I was sitting in my chair Friday morning and thinking about that, and I looked up on the wall and at one of the pictures I have in my office, and it was, it's a picture of eagles. And immediately upon setting my eyes on those eagles, the Lord reminded me of what he says in Isaiah chapter 40 and in verse 31. So I want us to look at that together. So take your Bibles and turn with me to the prophecy of Isaiah. And, and notice what he says here. We're thinking about merry time. We're thinking about uh, something more than just our morning devotion, but a time where we have intentionally set aside, built into our schedule uh, of extensive time, just one-on-one -on -one with the Lord in our lives. And here's what he says in verse 31 of Isaiah 40. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, they will walk and not become weary. There's a phrase here that you find all through Scripture that basically defines what I mean by merry time. And that phrase is, wait upon the Lord. And what Isaiah is describing here in this verse is the results. What we will experience and what we need to experience for us to have merry time in our life. That is to learn what it is to wait upon the Lord. And I want to share those experiences with you, not only because I'm, I'm being reminded I need this in my life, but I have suspicion that you need this in your life as well. Now, those of you who receive uh, my morning devotion that I've been sending out, my remember that several days ago, I actually talked about in one of those devotions that, that I struggle with waiting. Uh, I don't like to wait at traffic lights, even though I know they're there for my safety. 
I don't like to wait in uh, a doctor's uh, office, uh, even though when the doctor does eventually see me, I want him to take all the time he needs to take care of me. And I don't like waiting in line to, to pick up fast food. But the main reason for that is because I really don't understand half of what they're saying through that outside speaker. But I do struggle with waiting uh, in my life. But there is something here we need to understand about this phrase, waiting on the Lord. So let's look at it together, and I want to draw your attention to three things you will experience if you choose to build into your life merry time. That is intentional, extended time in the presence of the Lord, just you and him having that time together. Notice with me, first of all, as we look in verse 11, that you will experience a renewal of your spiritual strength, a renewal of your spiritual strength. He says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. And we certainly need that because there are times when we're going through the challenge we're going through now and dealing with the crisis day after day, having questions and not having all the answers and not knowing when the end is going to come, that we can get drained, spiritually drained, and we can become spiritually weak. And we need a renewal of our spiritual strength. Now, the key is in that word, wait. Because what I want you to understand is that the word wait here is not simply a picture of just hanging on until God decides to act on your behalf. No, the word wait here is captured by Solomon. The meaning of this word is captured by Solomon in the book of Proverbs. So would you take your Bibles and turn with me just for a moment to Proverbs chapter 8 and verses 34 and 35. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. And listen to what he says here. This is very important. He says, blessed is the man who listens to me, listen to this, watching daily, listen, at my gates, waiting at my doorpost. For he who finds me finds life and oftentimes favor from the Lord. You see, that word wait is more than just hanging on. That word wait means to be in the very presence of the Lord during however long the challenge you're having to deal with or the crisis you're in you're having to deal with is going to last. You, you set all of those things aside, and, and you're waiting there at the, at the doorpost of the Lord, waiting for him to come out so that you can have this time with him, and he can pour his love into you. He can pour his grace into you. He can pour his mercy into you. He can pour his spirit into you. He can pour his word into you. And that, that gives you a, a jolt of spiritual strength. I need that in my life. You probably need that in your life as well. And we know that this is what Isaiah has in mind because in this same chapter, we just back up uh, a few verses here, beginning, let's say, in verse uh, 22. And just notice as I read through is Isaiah is bringing them to this point in, in verse 31. He is reminding them of who it is uh, that we are calling upon in life. It says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And so he's sitting on his throne above uh, the earth itself. 
He says, it is he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Talking about this ever-expanding universe that uh, is before us. He says, he, verse 23, he it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely they have been planted, scarcely they have been sown, scarcely uh, has their stock taken root in the earth. Talking about they've gained position and they think they have power and they think they uh, can rule and, and, and they can lead the people because of who they are. And it says, but he, that is the Lord, merely blows on them and they wither. And he says, and the storm carries them away like stubble. So to whom then will you liken me, the Lord says, that I would be his equal? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. This was an incredible word that the children of Israel needed at that time. Uh, they had been going through a very difficult time, uh, a crisis in their life. The Assyrians had been attacking them and, and killing and taking others captive and plundering in, in, into the nation of Israel. And they really had no rest in the land. And, and just right around the corner were the Babylonians and, and they were coming and they were going to even do worse. And so they needed a word. They, they needed some assurance that, that God was going to be on their side. And so Isaiah gives them a word of saying, look, it's not so much uh, of the fact that God is on your side, but who he is and what you need in these difficult times is that you need a renewal of your spiritual strength. And so when we have merry time, when we have, and this is what I want to call it, our spiritual shelter in place time, where we intentionally build into our life an extended time just in the presence of the Lord. We're going to experience a renewing of our spiritual strength. But notice the second thing. As we go back to this text in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, not only will we experience a renewal of our spiritual strength, but we will also experience a restoring of our faith. He goes on to say, not only yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength, but then he adds this, they will mount up with wings like eagles. When I read that phrase, and maybe when you hear those words, maybe like me, you imagine the pictures you have seen of eagles soaring uh, almost effortlessly over the mountains and the terrain that is below them. How did eagles get there? God created them with wings so that they could soar like that. And, of course, the Lord wants us to be able to, by faith, soar above all the mountains, all the challenges, all the, the crisis in our lives. But how do the eagles get to that point? Well, as I thought about that and I looked back up at the picture that was on my wall in the office, I noticed that the picture there was not of necessarily Isaiah 30, uh, 40, verse 31, but rather Deuteronomy 
chapter 12. So would you just take your Bibles and turn there with me for a moment. Deuteronomy, not chapter 12, but chapter 32 and in verses 11 and 12. Here we have a parable. We've looked at this before, but I want to remind you of what it teaches us. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and in verses 11 and 12. This is Moses, and he is describing to the children of Israel what God is like. Look at it with me. He says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and he caught them and he carried them on his pinions. What is he describing here? Well, he's describing the Lord in three different ways. I want to remind you of that as we continue to find a way to navigate through this coronavirus challenge that is before us. He teaches, first of all, that the Lord is a disturber. It's a picture of a mother eagle that goes into the nest. It's very warm and it's soft and it's comfortable and the little eaglets are in there and that mother eagle will, will just literally tear up, stir up the, the, the bottom of that nest so making it so uncomfortable that these little eaglets have to climb out on the ledge. Well, certainly through this coronavirus challenge, uh, our nests have been stirred up. I mean, our lives have been turned upside down down daily, the impact of it. And, and so we're kind of climbing out on the edge, trying to figure out, excuse me, what's going on, excuse me, in our lives. And so people are hearing all kinds of words like uh, uh, a new um, uh, a new way of living, a new change in our lives. And, and so we're trying to figure all of this out. And what happened is that not that God brought the coronavirus upon us, but he is certainly using it to stir up our nest. He is a disturber. You know, sometimes in our lives as believers, uh, we get nestled into our own little spiritual nest. And it's comfortable. We like where we are. And, and we're enjoying where we are. But here's the problem. We get to that point where we no longer uh, have to use our faith. Everything's already set for us, and we're comfortable with it. And so what the Lord needs to do sometimes is he needs to stir up our nest, use whatever comes in our lives to stir up our nest, to get us back on the, on the edge because we need to learn how to soar by faith over the challenges of our lives. So the Lord is a disturber, but see, the Lord is a developer because what that mother eagle will do uh, is that as she hovers over these little eaglets, will come and actually knock that little eaglet off the ledge, forcing it to use its wings to fly. And a lot of times that's what God does in our lives, and he may be doing that even now during this time with your life being turned upside down, your nest has been stirred up even spiritually, even in terms of your faith and your walk with the Lord because things have changed so dramatically and you're hearing this new normal all the time. By the way, that is a term that I don't always really embrace and the reason is because I know that politically it is used sometimes to force us to make a change in our lives that is not for our best 
best interest or a change in our country that's not for our best interest, but it is a term we're going to hear a lot, a new normal. And so we're looking at that, and, and God has stirred up our nest, and we feel like we've been knocked out. And so the Lord is saying, I want you to use your wings of faith. Well, Moses tells us here that the Lord's not only a disturber and he's a developer, but he's a deliverer as well. Because he talks about the fact that he spreads his wings and he catches them on his pinions. The mother eagle will never allow a little eaglet to hit the ground. She will always catch it and bring it back to the nest on the edge, only to come back around and knock it out again. But here's the goal. The goal is for that eagle to get to the point where it can soar effortlessly over the mountains that is below it. You know, I think it's interesting before we go on to just share with you that um, because of the upgrade of the mountains, there is a great updraft of air. And it is this great updraft of air that the eagle uh, connects to to be able to soar over the mountains below it. So it's interesting to me that the very, very obstacle that they're trying to overcome is also the power or the source of which they can have the ability to overcome them. And so when we have merry time, when we have our spiritual uh, shelter in place time, where we intentionally uh, build into our lives extended time with the Lord, we're going to experience a renewal of our spiritual strength. We're going to experience a, a restoring of our faith. And then lastly, we're going to experience a revitalizing of our spirit. A lot of you know that Different species, including the eagles, go through what is called a molting process at some time in their life. For the eagle, that molting process involves the reality they begin to lose feathers. And as they begin to lose feathers, then calcium also begins to build up on their beak and making it heavy and making it difficult for them to be able to, to, to raise up their head and calcium begins to build up on their claws, making it difficult for them to hunt and to cling to things. This is a very serious time in the life of an eagle. They begin to lose some of their eyesight. They begin to become physically weak because they can only eat, they only eat raw meat and they're not able to hunt because they're not able to, to fly the way they used to fly as they are losing feathers and finally get to that point where they can't fly at all. They have to just walk around like a turkey. And the truth of the matter is that not all of these eagles survive the molting process. But those who do just survive they survive because they find a place, a solitude place, where they can be among rocks and they can just literally day after day bathe themselves in the presence of the, of the sunshine that is coming upon them. And during that time, they're, 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 they're hitting, they're pecking uh, against the rocks, trying to knock the calcium off of their beaks. And in the process, they're actually cleaning and they're actually sharpening those beaks. And during that time, they're clawing the rocks and, and they're 
taken, their, their, their claws are finally comes down to just nubs, but when they begin to regrow, they're fresh and they're new and they're stronger. And during that time, as the sunshine, as they bathe themselves in the, in the presence of the sunshine, the new feathers are beginning to come. And the end result is they are revitalized and they're able to once again soar effortlessly above the mountains. And there is a revitalization of their life. And that is what we need. Because when we get weak and we uh, are like Martha's and our minds are going here and our minds are going there and we're distracted with this and we're distracted with that and, and we begin to struggle with doubt. God, where are you? What's going to happen? Why do you hear our prayers? There's nothing impossible for you. And I've claimed this promise. I haven't seen anything yet. And what we need is this spiritual shelter in place. Some merry time so that we are renewed in our spiritual strength, we are restored in our faith, and we are revitalized in our spirit. I need this in my life. And I have a sneaky suspicion you might need this as well. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you because now that so much has been taken away, all the other distractions in our life, all the things that has kept us so incredibly busy that it's even difficult to have, quote, unquote, our morning time with the Lord. And now that we've given some more time, I want to challenge you to build some merry time in your life, some spiritual shelter in place, intentionally extended time, and discover what I'm discovering a renewing of my spiritual strength, a restoring of my faith, and a revitalization of my spirit, no matter what is before us. I hope this is a word that will help you, because certainly it's been a word that has helped me. Let's pray. Father God, as I come, I come with a grateful heart. I thank you that you're such a good, good father. I thank you that you desire, Lord God, for us to just have extended time, just to sit at your feet as Mary did so that you can pour more of your love and more of your grace and more of your mercy and more of your spirit and more of your word into our lives. But, of course, we have to choose to build that into our life. I thank you, Lord, for reminding me of this, and I hope this word will be a reminder to my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that they can have that time with you and experience exactly what I have been experiencing by your grace. So bless them, and Lord, bless their time with you. I ask for this in Jesus' name, amen.